When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Catch Up with Louise McSharry. This is the podcast that tries to catch you up on everything you might have missed during the week and just generally entertain you, I hope. Fingers crossed. Um, I hope you had a good week. I it, it was Mine was mainly taken up with Electric Picnic. I decided last week I was going to go at the last minute when Aoife uh, Moore, who you know well from the podcast, obviously, asked me if I would be her plus one because she was doing a talk for Amnesty International on sex workers' rights because that's Electric Picnic. It's got everything. <laughs> um, and uh, I had to dig out all my camping stuff which I hadn't seen since before the pandemic so that meant I had to send Gordon up in the attic I had to clear out under the stairs and then of course once you've cleared that out you have to reorganize and it was all that but oh my god it was so much fun we had an absolute ball and I have to say like I hadn't really planned on going because I just assumed when I went I would feel like 125 years old and I really didn't it was a really mixed crowd now we weren't camping in the main campsites we were camping in um performers camping which is different obviously it tends to be older people and everybody's working so it's pretty chilled out um but still you know I there were so many people in their 30s and 40s and beyond um and I found that very comforting because now I know I can go back and if you were feeling like maybe your electric picnic days were behind you let me tell you they shouldn't be they absolutely shouldn't be because we had a ball despite the fact that it rained so much so much like at one stage my fingers were wrinkled you know And I was like, am I developing trench foot? It's entirely possible. All those kind of buzz. But like, because it had been so long since I'd been, and because we haven't had, you know, well, I I didn't make it to any other Irish festivals this summer. It was such a buzz just to be back, back with the silliness and the crack and bumping into people. Oh man, it was so good. I was amused to see on TikTok this week, there's lots of, um, um, younger people shall we say making tiktoks about electric picnic being hellish and the reality of electric picnic is that it's a nightmare because it's such a mess and it's so rainy and blah blah blah. and part of me did feel like come on guys come on guys this is that's what it's like when you go to a festival in ireland in september that's just the reality kind of toughen up princess um Anyway, enough about that. It is time to move on with the podcast. We've got lots to talk about this week and um, myself and Aoife get straight into it in the news. Aoife Moore, political correspondent from the Sunday Times, Ireland. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. We've just saying we're barely, we've we've sort of recovered from electric picnic. Not really though. No, I'm still a shell of a human. <laughs> I'm blaming the rain. 
Yes. I think the rain made it like physically harder. I was saying to people that the Saturday from the day we left the tent, the moment we left the tent to the moment we got back to the tent, it was like being in the shower with your clothes on. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, we had a ball. Like you were talking to people and there was water dripping off your eyelashes, dripping off your nose. You were hugging people and your wet faces were sliding off one another. But look, I mean, didn't we oh, have it a crack? Best weekend. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who came up to us as well. Yes, yeah, we met loads of people, which was really, really nice yeah. and much appreciated. It was fun for me as well because some people didn't know what you looked like. So people yeah. would come up and say hi to me. And then I'd be like, this is Eva," <laughs> And then they'd be like, ah, it was a two for one package. <laughs> it was lots of fun. Um, anyway, we have lots of news to talk about. So let's get into it. Um, we're going to start with the one and only Enoch Burke. Our pal, our pal Enoch. Enoch is still in the joy. What a um, a day I, he probably thought would never come, but Enoch Burke is still in Mountjoy Prison in Dublin. He refused to comply with court orders that had barred him from his workplace. So for people not up to date, Enoch Burke was a teacher at a school in Westmeath. He was asked, um, as all the teachers were asked, he referred to a pupil as they, as the pupil identifies as transgender he refused um he was later suspended from the job because he stood up during a church service and began shouting about transgenderism and then accosted the principal of the school until other people had to get in between them he was suspended pending a disciplinary and was told to stay away from the school he did not he turned up to the school and then a court order uh, he, which meant he was in contempt of court. So he was up uh, in court in Dublin and he said that <laughs> I can be a Christian in Mount Joy or I can be a pagan acceptor of transgenderism outside it, he told the High Court. I would just like to point out now to Enoch that that's not true. He is not in jail because he would not use the correct pronoun. No. He is in jail because he is in contempt of court. There was a court order to keep him away from that school, which he broke, which is against yeah, the law. It's very black and white. And he, like, I texted to you yesterday because this is my favorite thing about, I mean, obviously it's a horrible story and I don't want to make mm-hmm. light of it, but he didn't even have the student in any of his classes. Yeah, the like he not never even in his class. Yeah. He would never have had to actually use the terminology that he was being asked to use. Yeah. And so. Another lovely little gem is that he was suspended on full pay. So it's not to say that he feels like he can't cope. Um, so it was back in court yesterday. My housemate is a journalist. She was up in court. She said it was incredibly dramatic. He was flailing his arms around, holding on to the um, like ledge in front of him. He said that I will never leave Mountjoy Prison if in leaving that prison I must violate my well-informed conscience and my religious beliefs and deny my God. Is it part of his religion that he has to show up at this school? Like, I've never heard of this type of Christianity. No one is asking you to do that, babe. Like, it's almost like he's intentionally causing a fuss. Yeah, and I would (laughs) like to say as well that we predicted that this would happen last week. I predicted this would happen last week. We now have some of the worst bad faith actors in England and America tweeting this story Pierce Morgan never on the right side of anything um, has tweeted that Enoch Burke is now in jail because he wouldn't use the word they you know right wing evangelical Christians have jumped on it I am sure that some of 
people who used to be very well respected writers writers and screenwriters will jump on this now soon mm-hmm. because they've got brain rot because they um, are against transgenderism. So it is the worst possible outcome for this child who uh, we need to remember is in the middle of this. But this is exactly what Enoch Burke wants. Exactly. Exactly. He wants to be a martyr for yeah. this cause, but it's not a real cause. And that's why people are so frustrated by headlines that suggest that it is actually about the language, because it's not. Like, yeah. he obviously took some sort of what he believes to be a conscientious objection against it, which obviously we don't agree with. Like, trans people are are as they say they are, and we love and respect trans people. There's no question of that here. But that's not what this is about. No, it was quite funny in the court yesterday. Like, the judge said... I agree that this is not about transgenderism, but a breach of an inter- of an injunction. And they basically said to him, listen, come back anytime you want and we'll let you out of jail. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just, it's so frustrating because he is using this just so that people like Pierce Morgan yes. will, will pretend like what's happening is him, he's refusing to say they and therefore he's in jail. Like that is not true, but that's how the story is being spun all around the world to fuel mm-hmm. the growing number of people who for some reason have a bizarre obsession with trans people. Like it, I, I do not understand it. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Trans people live extremely difficult lives they are so brave Mm -hmm. to be who they are actually being who you actually are in a in a culture that doesn't necessarily respect that is I think the bravest thing you could possibly do and I could just say like I wouldn't write this on Twitter but like I would also just say that I have a young transgender person in my family who I'm increasingly worried worried about they're only a teenager and they go to a single gender school. Mm. They don't identify in that gender anymore. And the school have gone out of their way to be more than accommodating and thank God to my family member. And especially because this school would have had at one point a very religious ethos. Mm. And they have gone out of their way to make their life so much easier. Every teacher refers to them by their new name. And my family members, their parents are just so grateful yeah you know because it's it's the bare minimum of basic human decency to just call someone what they want to be called but also like at the at the root of it like should people who have so little care for the well-being of kids Mm -hmm. and teenagers be in a position where they're teaching in a school i I would have a big question about that obsession with other people's genitalia that i can't get over that's just so weird um okay let's move on liz truss is the new prime minister of the united kingdom start spreading the news (laughs) i don't know she's not in new york she's in london um liz truss former lib dem former anti-monarchy liz is now the Prime Minister of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. She is 47. She is the 56th Prime Minister and the third female leader. I would like to point out to all the left-wing people, probably most of you listen, this is the third Conservative female leader. Labour has yet to have any. It is interesting, isn't Uh, it? She is expected... Yeah, so she is expected to visit Dublin first. Um, her first phone call was to Kiev, but I believe that her first visit is to be Dublin. As we know, Liz, being Liz, was a Remainer, and now she's very firmly behind Brexit and the protocol bill. She loves to change she, her mind. It's a woman's prerogative. It's almost as if she doesn't believe in anything, Louise. <laughs> um, so she uh, beat Rishi Sunak, who I think is quite handsome. I don't know. 
there's something about him he's not for me um well you would if you saw his bank balance hello um excuse me how dare you i do not i uh, my admiration for people has nothing to do with their fortune He's also hot and tall. Anyway, um, Boris made a very demand. He's, he's not. I'm sorry. I've just Googled imaged him once more. He's not. Text, guys, reply to Louise when the pod comes out. Do we think Rishi Sunak is hot? Yeah, I think yes. There's something nice. He's okay. Anyway. Um, His wife is hot. Yes. She's also incredibly rich. We could go out with her too. Yeah. Anyway. And much better. Uh, Boris Johnson made a very demented speech outside uh, Downing Street. He said, let me say that I am now like one of those booster rockets that has fulfilled its function. And I will be gently re-entering the atmosphere and splashing down invisibly. I wish I was making this up. Invisibly in some remote and obscure corner of the Pacific. Sure. Anyway, he said he would be given this new leader his most fervent support. And he said in a reference to the Roman statesman Sinatus. I don't know. This is exactly the way posh people talk. I haven't a clue. <laughs> Returning to my ploy. I would like to say, if Boris Johnson even knows what a ploy looks like, I would give you all the money in my bank account <laughs> right now. Anyway, he kind of worried me in the sense that he alluded to the fact that he might be back. Uh, which really freaked me out. But yeah, so Liz is the um, new leader. What it means for Ireland is that she was told by Joe Biden that if any undermining of the Good Friday Agreement would not result in any good trade agreement between the UK and the US, which is good, Mm -hmm. she spoke to... Oh, she's uh, appointed this guy who is a mad Brexiteer as the Northern Ireland Secretary of State. Um, I would say that Northern Ireland people aren't that... um, surprised or bothered we have had some really useless uh, secretaries of state and also we were told that she had offered it to four people before this guy but (laughs) nobody wanted it um so you know feeling very loved and she should be in dublin i believe in the next week or so Mm, thrilling Mm. um now next up is uh, your story um you had a big story in the sunday times ireland this weekend um tell us about it yeah, uh, the critical director of cervical, cervical check is a woman called Dr. Noreen Russell. And she had a meeting in December 2020 um, with the leader of Into Pater Tobin. He had concerns about the communication that was coming from cervical check and he asked her for a meeting. In this meeting, Dr. Noreen Russell said that some very uh, disturbing things. I don't think anyone would agree that they weren't. She at one point said that, so because of cervical check and the misreading of the slides, you can go to the high court, you can go to a tribunal that was set up by the government. Only 20 people have used the tribunal. It was set up to be uh, by the government as something nicer than the high court, but the patients didn't really believe in it. And mm-hmm. the advocates like Stephen Ke- Tape and Vicky Feeden, they didn't support it either. So it put one off. <coughs> Dr. Noreen Russell, uh, at one point in this meeting, said, the women who have stage one cancer probably know in their heart and soul that they haven't been wronged. And they might kind of know that's probably not worth my while going down to the high court. I don't think my story is going to get me a whole pile of money, but I might get some money from the tribunal. She also said that cervical check, in which over 221 women were affected and later... um, developed cancer uh she said it was a communications failure and she also said the courts were wrong to give women any money and that she didn't actually know what the cervical check scandal was about and then uh so i was the front page of the sunday times 
on Sunday. Um, so you you got a recording of this. That's, yes. That's yes. what happened. So I was given a recording of this meeting that someone had been sitting on for two years. And I have never felt more like I was in Watergate than when someone said, hey, do you want this recording? Yeah. Um. So in the time since, Dr. Russell said that she was incredibly sorry. She contacted the 221 Plus group. And said that, you know, um, she shouldn't have said it. She didn't mean it. She also said that she had only been in the job a few months. And now she's been in the job a couple of years. She doesn't feel that way anymore. Mm. I think what it is, is another kind of milestone in what has been an incredibly traumatizing mm. um, situation for these women. Um, they said that they, the group 221 Plus, who looks after the woman, said that they had been re-traumatized mm. um, by this. But it also... They have been saying for months and years that cervical check needs a culture change from the top down. Mm. The women do not feel they're being communicated with properly. They don't believe that the doctors and those involved really understand or are listening to what they're saying. And there needs to be a culture shift. Um, mm. Lorraine Walsh, an absolutely amazing cervical check campaigner, said came out and said that she wanted a complete culture change from top to bottom. But I would say from the other, the government side of it, they closed ranks very quickly. There was no mention of Dr. Russell resigning. Uh, Simon Harris, the previous Minister for Health, said that she was a great worker and she seems to be hanging on. Yeah, I mean, I did see there were people in my uh, Twitter replies mm -hmm. um, kind of advocating for her and saying that she was a doctor who genuinely had women's health at the kind mm -hmm. of heart of her intentions. Um, I think no matter what, it's very unfortunate that she at any stage felt it was appropriate to make these comments. And I think she would agree with that at this stage. Mm -hmm. um, because at the end of the day, you know, this is a very serious matter and people were very deeply hurt and have been continued, continued to be hurt in the way that the whole thing has been mm -hmm. managed. And I would just like to point out that there are at least 20 women who are dead. Yeah. Okay, uh, next up, we have to talk uh, once again about the energy crisis, unfortunately, because it's the only thing anyone's talking about at the moment. And I think everyone is terrified every time they put on their oven. Mm -hmm. So the energy crisis is only going to get worse. We've been told this the last couple of weeks. Um, Eamon Ryan, the Minister for the Environment, has confirmed that, remember the 200 euro electricity payment that everyone got in April? Mm. Um, you're going to get another one um, mm. before Christmas. Um, they said that they've held it back. You know, people were saying during the summer, listen, we need it again. But they said they're going to get it now before Christmas. The government have set aside between two to three billion euro um, for just for cost of living measures. Um, I would point out that per capita Germany, it works out that Germany are, get, are putting aside four billion euro. So the opposition are obviously arguing for a bit more ambition when it comes to this, because as we know, Ireland is already a very expensive place to live. Mm. Um, it comes as European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen said that EU will propose to cap the revenues made by like those huge power companies. Mm. Now, the Irish government were kind of reticent about this because they said if we do a one-fall tax, it might put off investors. Now, I would say not all the Irish government were saying this. Fine Gael was saying this. Mm. It might put off investors. But I think the fact that the UK have done it and now the EU are doing it. I'm so sick of hearing about investors. I know. I'm so sick of it. Like, why is it always about investors? Why what about they, what about all of us who are literally invest, just trying to live in this country? Why don't they invest in society? Yes, Aoife. <laughs> yes. So they feel a bit uh, comforted now that if the UK and the EU are doing it, we can do it as well. Safety in numbers, mm. that sort of thing. Mm. Um, Ursula von der Leyen basically said, it's now time for consumers to benefit from low cost of carbon energy sources. Yeah. Um, but yes, Ursula. Yeah. <laughs> 
So he, sorry, Eamon Ryan brought a memo to cabinet and said, you know, they're going to keep on this reduce your use campaign. I find this really weird because they've had this in all the Sunday papers for the last couple of weeks. But the reduce your use is like the first uh, time I believe he said that, you know, put your washing machine on at night. Don't put your washing machine on at night. You're not supposed to leave it yeah, on a tender in case it goes on fire. <laughs> yeah. Um. So washing machines, dryers, outside of peak hours is probably a better way to say it. Don't yeah. put your washing machine on at night. Also, me and my best friend Maria lived together once. And the amount of fights we had about her putting the dryer on at night because my house, my bed was next to the kitchen and it was so noisy. Uh, <laughs> um, the government don't really seem to have a plan, to be honest, in terms yeah. of how they're going to put money back in people's pockets. What they're going to tell you now is it's a lot going to come down to personal responsibility yeah. as in like charge your phone at work <laughs> but I think people are really irritated by this especially when you consider like we've got d- massive data centers in this country that mm. use huge amounts of electricity I think it's like 15% of all do you know what I think is really interesting and people are always shocked when I tell them do you know how many um data how many people a data center employs generally how many about 30 people so it's not to say that these are a huge employer that we really need. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, by, it is about, it's about 15%. Yeah, um, by 2030, it's going to be a third of all our electricity is data centers. Um, so uh, we've also heard today that the cost of living crisis is about to get worse. Um, we know that the ECB are going to put up interest rates. Again, I think every single electricity company in the country now has said that they're going to put their prices up by... Mm. It's usually around 26 for electricity and around 30 for gas. Um, the opposition, I heard of Anna Batchett from the Labour Party on Morning Ireland there. She was saying that, you know, she wants a wee bit more ambition from the government. And also, the thing about the electricity credit is that it's universal and we have been told till they are blue in the face from Bernardo's and the Simon community and St. Vincent de Paul, there are thousands of people who do not need that 200 euro credit and it would be better spent in targeted measures helping people who are already living in poverty or just yeah. below or just above the poverty line. Yeah, I mean, that that makes sense. That makes sense because some people can't afford it. I mean, that's the reality. And some people really, really can't. Mm-hmm. Um, I also saw this and it's so minor, but I there's a, was a piece in the journal on Tuesday saying that local authorities are looking at the issue of whether or not there will be Christmas lights on the streets this year because of the energy crisis. And like, please, surely, like, if we can, <laughs> like, please, come on. Really? <laughs> like, after COVID, we're finally having a real yeah, Christmas and you're not even going to put the Christmas lights up? Can there be no joy? Honestly. But that is going to be the case. You know, there is people who are choosing between eating and heating. So Christmas lights aren't even going to command it. Yes. And I mean, I I do appreciate that it's minor in the grand scheme of things. I know what you're talking about. You're talking about like towns, villages, Grafton Street. All that yeah, sort of stuff. that's what I mean. But then also what the government will be afraid of is the message that it's sending. Yeah, no, I understand. They have Christmas lights everywhere, but they're telling everyone else to turn the Christmas lights off. No, I do understand. I understand. I think it's what just the idea of a Christmas do, without lights. I think what they'll probably do is they'll put the lights up, but they'll only have them on. You know, they're on all the time. Yeah. I'd say they'll only have them on for like a couple of hours and then turn them off. Yeah. Because I don't think they can really be telling the public here, by the way, turn all your lights off, but Jeez. we're going to flood the place with Christmas lights. Like, can we not just catch a break? 
Apparently not. And if I'm complaining about catching a break, yeah. then I can only imagine what people who are in worse positions than me are feeling right now. Yeah. And I would also just like to say that there was a woman from MABS, which is the money advice service mm-hmm. on Morning Ireland. And she did say that they have like six, three offices around the country and yeah. they're like locally trained. Yeah. So if you are struggling with uh, bills and whatever else, you can attend MABS. It's completely anonymous. Yeah. And... You can attend there and or phone them if you don't want to go on your local office because I know like some people are quite embarrassed or whatever. Yeah, they have a helpline. Yeah, they have a free helpline. It's manned Monday to Friday. And if you're having any issues with your bills, don't put the bill in the drawer and walk away and forget about it. Yeah. Go and speak to Mabs. They can help you. And then because it's legally trained, you know, they can organize to have food parcels, delivery to your house, yeah. things like that. So I would highly recommend looking them up. Yeah, I think to. that's really good advice. That's Mabs, M-A-B-S dot I-E if you want to check out the website. Um, I have done countless radio shows over the years um, where they've been involved and I've always been super impressed mm-hmm. by the service that they offer. And that is the message always is don't stick your head in the sand, confront it, ask for help. Help is there and we'll get through this. Okay, Aoife, thank you so much. It's Aoife Moore, political correspondent for the Sunday Times Ireland. Lily Higgins is a food writer, cookbook author and food photographer from Cork who I have long admired. Aside from making the most beautiful food, she is absolutely lovely. So I was delighted to chat with her this week about her new book, The Homemade Year. So Lily, I am so pleased to be with you today. I have been such a fan of yours and your work for so long. And um, you have just released your third book. Yes. How does that feel? It feels amazing. I haven't actually seen it in a shop yet. Have you not? No. So tomorrow is the day where, you know, the publishers kind of trot you around to bookshops and yeah. you sort of um, sign them and stuff. But but the, the most copies I've seen together is 10. Uh-huh. And even at that, I was like, I can't believe it. Like, it's just incredible that mostly like your innermost thoughts, like stuff that you've written and yeah. spent. Like, you know, when you're writing and it's really late at night, you, you all sorts of stuff come yeah. out, you know, and then the following day you're like, whoa, mm. no, <laughs> apparently oh. I feel like that about <laughs> yeah. that. So like, but now it's actually all published, you know, and the yeah. editors passed it all. Like they were like, yeah, perfect. That's what you want to put in it. Perfect. So I'm just like, okay, great. Well, that's, I mean, this book is called The Homemade Year and um, it is very... Like what I, there's loads of things I like about it. So first of all, it's not just a cookbook. There's crafts, there's all kinds of like home decor is in there a little bit. There's, you know, loads of little bits, lovely little bits, but it feels very personal. Um, all the little bits of writing and then I know you took all the photographs you styled it all yourself there's beautiful photographs of your children in here yeah like awesome. it feels kind of like almost a scrapbook yeah and you know what I actually you're the first person that I'm telling this to but I just took all the photographs on my phone did you so it's all just on my phone oh my god you know, I'm shocked everything. by that because they are beautiful photographs yeah even like the pictures of the kids and everything I was mm. like portrait mode um, because I have like a big camera that I use for my articles and then yeah. over lockdown when the kids just broke the lens on it. So it was one of those things where I was thinking I have to fix that. But I just never did. So it does have a real scrapbook feel because it's literally if you go through my camera roll, it's all yeah, there like yeah. day to day in between like what we were having for dinner and like the usual things I was putting on Instagram and everything like it's all been part of it. So it was literally, you know, a year and a half of everything that was happening day to day. Yeah. Um, so it was really good to sort of write it in the moment as well, because mm. I sort of knew straight away, you know, you can't fake writing about summer during the winter because, mm. you know, it's just so unique. And I really wanted it to sort of transport you to that time of year, you know, when yeah. you flick through the book that you're 
in autumn and you're just like oh I can't wait to be wearing cozy clothes and yeah. you know just that type of feeling um and like I love Christmas and yeah. like I'm so led by the seasons anyway like I'm always writing about the food for different seasons mm. but I just think the sort of craft element is kind of fun as well yeah it really is because um when I see you on Instagram and I read your stuff I'm like wow I, I kind of wish Lily Higgins was my mom because <laughs> I get the feeling that your house is just like this lovely warm cozy place where and, and you know all the crafts in here I, I, as I was reading the book I was like oh these, this is the kind of stuff I should be doing with my children no so oh a God. lot of inspo in there for me yeah but a lot of the things I just do when they're in school though you know when yeah, I need yeah. a bit of headspace myself yeah. and like there's certain things are fun to do with kids but other things like I do just for myself yeah. you know so um I think that's really like I used to be doing loads of little projects before I had kids and then when I had them I was like oh that's the end of that you know yeah. and like they were all so close together as well it was just like an avalanche of babies and nappies for mm you know a good while and it's only how old now, are they now they're um 10 9 and 7 okay yeah they're so, close together yeah. yeah so they're just coming out of you mm. know being like super needy and like mm-hmm. I can actually talk to them about things which is just yeah incredible you know yeah um and like they have opinions about stuff and it was actually them being really creative made me think oh yeah I used I used to do that in my day yeah. you know make things so then and now that they're at school up at longer as well I've a bit more time yeah. um and of course like I work from home so you know if there's like a cancel zoom call or an opportunity then I'm on it to like make the next batch of kombucha or start pickling yeah. something or you know it's just great to it's stuff I do anyway so it's yeah. great to sort of have it all in one place now and where does that come from that kind of you know you obviously just have it in you that you like to make and do and cook and yeah. you know was there a lot of that in your house growing up I think so like part of me is kind of like you know I'm just a creative person and then part of me is like what are you distracting yourself from you know oh, yeah. <laughs> trying to keep busy with stuff because it's like we put a film on and I'm like great grabbing you know knitting or something and it's mm. like just watch the film you know or just do yeah. something but like I can see my daughter's the same like busy busy all the time sort of mm. thing and um, but I suppose it's just like the opportunity to multitask is too tempting for me like yeah. I love making things creating things um and I think like when we were growing up we had a big family like and it's such a cliche but like rural 80s Ireland sure we had nothing like we mm. you know we had very little money so I could see my mother making stuff the whole time um and like I remember driving into town with her and on my lap, like holding six jars of jam that she just made and they were still warm and she was bringing them in to sell them. Like, mm. so, and I was thinking like, pretty cool. You know, we, we picked the berries last night and she's making the jam today and, you know, she gets cash in hand for the jam, mm. you know. So I sort of saw her doing that and I was thinking like, you know, that that's what adults do like. Right. So, um, but of course now it's like, not a trendy thing to do but it's an enjoyable thing or like a luxury thing to be able to go picking elderflowers and make cordial Mm. and you know it's kind of seen as indulgent to take that time to make yeah Yeah, exactly you know like of course it's your own elderflower cordial or whatever but Mm. um it is really nice and it's kind of tradition like since my kids were small like picking the wild garlic and stuff yeah um like there's loads of it in phoenix park yeah and loads of people only sort of began realizing that during lockdown when they were walking around and they were like there's yeah. such a whiff of garlic here you know on our like daily walks or whatever um but there's wild garlic all over the place yeah. so like the opportunities there like Ireland's a cool place yeah. full of stuff that we can do all the time for free you know yeah no definitely I mean my kids love like uh, it, my parents have a house in Wexford and we spend a lot of time there 
there and there's loads of blackberries around there, yeah. like loads and obviously we're in prime blackberry time coming yeah. into it now um, and they love that like they I mean we don't get many blackberries home because they just eat them as they go but like yeah. they get such a kick out of it of being able to pick something off a bush and be able yeah. to eat it yeah um, and they're feeding themselves like and yeah. then how often does that happen yeah. they can just pick something out <laughs> in the wild you know I know like, I know um, I was interested to see in here because aside from um, the recipes and some of the crafty stuff you also have some you have like affirmations in here and mm-hmm. um, you talk about the new moon and there's mentions of crystals in there are you you're obviously into that kind of thing are you I, like I am like but it's taken me years to kind of realize like you know I love all pagan stuff yeah and like all the Irish Celtic mythology and you know herbal stuff and like I actually love all that stuff and I find it so reassuring and not as kind of like not as like a backlash to the church or anything like mm. that but I've always it's just really jarred at me the whole time stuff about the church mm. and things like that so I've always felt like there's definitely something else that's more natural and more yeah. you know and always felt so so tied to the moon I mean as a child like being hyper at certain times and feeling really tired other times mm. and I mean it's all just lunar cycles mm. you know so I suppose it depends on how in tune you are but really you know I can just see it everywhere you know mm. when things are happening and I know there's kind of a lot about it now um, which is actually great though because people are just sort of getting more in tune and that all goes with the seasons like the moon mm. the seasons it's all connected you know mm. so um I'm always trying to find a way to sort of weave it into modern day life mm. um and make it work for us mm. like it's really fun having little rituals like whether you're you know putting your salt lamp out to soak up the moonlight or you know feeding your plants at certain times like all the whole bio the um what's it called now again that uh you know the lunar wine you know the way mm-hmm. wine and um, biodynamic like, mm. biodynamic farming and wine and everything like I love mm. that as well where all those rituals are involved um involving the moonlight and picking at certain times mm. um and like some biodynamic wines the way they taste better you know I have like a little book with all the different calendars throughout the year of when mm. the wine will taste best so um, I just think it's amazing and I think it's really enjoyable um I used to love reading my horoscopes when I was small like mm. I remember that the you know in the back of the Sunday Times reading my horoscope every week thinking mm-hmm. <gasps> I'm in for it this week you know so um but I just think it's really enjoyable like you know so it's interesting um what you said there you know because obviously I think a lot of people have moved away from religion really in general in Ireland um but there is I suppose I think some people feel an absence of a some sort of spirituality um and I suppose yeah these kind of rituals can bring that into your life that's it exactly Yeah. yeah that's it exactly so you know not feeling so kind of hapless or hopeless or you know um and I think that's really you know reassuring like Mm. to think that you know our ancestors had cool things that they did with bonfires and herbs and all sorts of things and smoke rituals like there's a thing in it like I really was, was reading loads about um these little uh tunnels these little mounds that they used to make years and years ago um for these sweat houses you know where mm-hmm. and in Leitrim there's like 900 sweat houses or something they're just little piles of stone and they would light a fire in there and then they would scrape out the fire and it, it would be roasting all the rocks around it would heat up and then you'd crawl it if you're feeling sick you'd crawl in there mm. and then block the hole with your clothes and just stay in there sweating for hours and hours and there was an extra lake so you come out then and you just get into the lake yeah. and you should be feeling sort of better after that but like I was reading loads about that thinking it's so so interesting all yeah. these rituals um, but they're all over Ireland like 
like sweat houses all over Ireland, usually just in farmlands and sort of near water and stuff. So um, there was loads of things that we used to do that yeah. were just amazing, you know. Yeah, because it's funny because I think we've been so kind of entrenched in Catholicism in in, in as an as our identity as Irish yeah. people and as a country. It's wild to think of yeah that there is that alternative you know history that we yeah. have yeah. for completely different spirituality and rituals. Yeah, and loads of things like you know May Day and you know washing your face with the you know the um, the dew on the grass in the morning mm. and like loads of things tied to farming as well of course like you know mm. tying ribbons above the dairy door and all these things and that was like loads of stuff to do with fairies like it, it's just incredible and it's cool like I was thinking imagine if Ireland was still exactly like that if yeah. we still had that sort of not suspicions and stuff but if we still had all that tradition it was so rich you know yeah. so but I think we are gradually bringing a lot of it back which is lovely yeah yeah it's funny I find it hard like I, I love the idea of crystals and like things like affirmations but I find it hard not to be embarrassed by myself when I try and do any do anything like I know. that and then I'm like give yourself a break yeah like, yeah like if anything it's just a bit of quiet time yeah you know so like I let my kids all pick out whatever crystals they want I'm not like pick which ones you're drawn yeah, to yeah. but really I'm just like pick out whatever ones you like and they, they do pick out certain ones and then I'm just like interesting you know <laughs> um but they do love that and I mean even one of the projects is you know floral essences you know so like mm. box rescue remedy which I remember mm. doing my leaving cert you know buying that and yeah. the drops under the tongue and all this sort of stuff yeah I so remember like, doing I remember yeah. sitting on the floor of the school corridor before exams <laughs> like doling out the rescue <laughs> remedy around as if it was gonna save us relying on so it like funny, yeah. yeah and like it's mostly brandy you know yeah. which is good anyway they'll just take the edge off before yeah. the exam but um, like making them is sort of, I was saying it, it's a bit hippy dippy or whatever, but like either way, you're going to be in the garden in the sun for yeah. like two hours on a lovely day and yeah. you're going to be taking note of the flowers and thinking this is lovely. And like even that ritual is really relaxing, you know, yeah. let alone all the rest that goes with it, like the actual mm. final outcome. So mm. I guess it's the journey. <laughs> you know, it is like it's just the process of making or doing is often sort of or like looking at the crystals and all that. And like there's loads of things like crystal water as well, you know, where you can you can buy water that the crystals have been sitting in. Oh, you yeah. Know? Did you see all that? Like well, Rose see, Quartz Fatal. I know about this because of a reality show I watched oh, called really? <laughs> Shaws of Sunset. Um, <laughs> and it was these like ar- these Iranian people living yeah. in LA. And one of the women brought out diamond water. And it was like all around the same idea. Yeah. So she had this like powerful diamond that the water would be soaked in. Or Isn't that, that incredible? She, yeah. Um, but, but and what, you're just buying water, really like. Yeah. But I mean, like what's holy water, yeah. you know? I mean, so I just I just think it's incredible that, um, that there's that, you know? Yeah. Like I just think it is incredible. But I think surely it would be fun making your own, yeah. you know? Um, and like things like rose water, that's more kind of tangible I think you know having flowers and stuff in the water like when you're sort of distilling it from it Mm. but yeah I don't know about um diamond water (laughs) oh yeah I mean look I'm not sure if the business still exists to be honest um yeah you know it's interesting because you mentioned there that you know whether it whether it's you know whether you believe it or whether you don't like it's it's taking time it's having a bit of quiet time and I feel like all of these things in your book are kind of useful for that exact purpose that like you know the the experience of making something or creating 
can be so positive for your kind of mental health. Yeah. I mean, obviously you feel that way. I mean, yeah. I feel like that's your life. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it is exactly. And like, it's just about, I mean, like I, you know, I'm saying like, it's just about slowing down or something. Like I'm like running around and stuff. Like I would love the time to actually do these projects right now. I'm just mm. thinking, you know, it'd be lovely. And, um, but it is about like, you know, even when I'm doing stuff on my phone, I flip on to other things like with Pinterest or something like that. Yeah. It's so easy to sort of get lost. But um, I do love just slowing down or sort of bookmarking something for the weekend. Mm. Like even things like making kombucha, I always think like, I'll do that now at the weekend. This will be the weekend where I just do that. And it takes like an hour to make a fresh batch or whatever, not even. Um, so that's like a ritual that I love. And then you sort of benefit from it, you know, for a few weeks afterwards mm. when you actually get the end result. Like you get all these bottles of kombucha. Mm. Um, and I just love it. Yeah. Like I just love making things like that because like I've been cooking for years and years. And the thing is, when you're cooking something, it's gone pretty much straight away. Yeah. Like, you know, whereas kind of creative projects kind of you sort of live with them for a bit longer mm. like the cleaning vinegars I love I'm obsessed with like I could do a whole range of cleaning vinegars <laughs> like because they just smell lovely and the house smells great after them yeah. so it's like a really basic thing where you're benefiting from it then for ages afterwards mm. you know and do you when you're cooking are your kids cooking with you no like I'd love to say they are and I'd love to say that they can cook but but like they can't like they're more ideas people you know okay. like I'd love like myself this. and then they walk away <laughs> and then I'm like ah so um or the boys would sort of you know I'd say like let's start doing something and they'd help me get out the stuff and then they'd say look will you just call me for the bit where we have to roll the yeah. power balls or whatever and we'll be back or something so um so they haven't really um but I think I need to get them into it I have them peeling and chopping things sometimes but like it takes ages then like well that's what I was gonna say it's you have to be oh, very patient to cook with children yeah like, you do like so I'd say I'd have to start getting dinner at about four o'clock realistically yeah. if I was to but this was supposed to be the summer where I did basically like a cooking camp with them uh-huh. and I was saying to them this summer and I will do like a cooking camp we'll take three days and we'll bake a load of stuff you know and you'll make things over those three days but it just didn't actually happen yeah. this year next year yeah. maybe yeah. how did you find um, COVID the lockdowns and stuff I just think it was so challenging, like, yeah. wasn't it? I just think it was so challenging. Like, I thought it was, I was just thinking, thank God for Wi-Fi and, yeah. you know, that we were able to do so much. So I was still able to work and do everything, mm. um, which was kind of weird because, you know, we were still doing the homeschooling and the kids were home and everything. But none of us got COVID. Well, my husband got COVID and my daughter Hazel got COVID. But that was it then. Yeah. So I don't know. So we, none of us were sick. Like, thank God yeah. none of us were very sick or anything. Um, so we were okay in that way like I know yeah. some people had a shocking time of it um, but when they went back to school and stuff we did all kind of miss the togetherness yeah. like it actually was lovely in a way that we were all able to sort of be at home and it was like tomorrow you know there's no getting up early and no yeah. you know sort of strict it was like an extended summer holidays but we really got into the <laughs> into the rhythm of it <laughs> into yeah. the rhythm of it you know we were all just like slouching around and hanging around it just, it just felt like the 80s or something it was just great in a way um, and I was sort of you know saying to them don't worry about schoolwork like this kind of enough yeah. and they were small enough as well that it didn't actually matter with schoolwork yeah. either you know but um, but I think it was kind of good for them in a way, yeah. but definitely socially they felt it with their friends and stuff like yeah. that. Um, but I don't think I was working on the book during it. I don't think I was. I can't remember now if it was or not. Maybe I was for some bits of it. Um, but it's been a book like that I pitched first eight years ago. Really? You know? So it's kind of something I've had on the back burner the whole time. These yeah. kind of continuation of projects and stuff. 
So, um, yeah, but then I had my daughter Hazel then, so then I was thinking I'm not going to do a mm. book and a baby in the same year because yeah. it's too... Um, that would be a lot. Too stressful. <laughs> yeah. I decided, no thanks. No yeah. thanks for that one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I think it's a beautiful book. I think it would be a lovely gift, actually, because because of that very thing. I, you know, if you take on a, one of these kind of projects, you're going to have a bit of time to yourself or if you're doing it with your kids. There's great ideas in here as well for things to do with your children, which is something that I sometimes struggle with and so congratulations thanks thanks louise thank you so much lily small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right because rust-oleum's new custom spray five in one gives you control with five different spray patterns so you can tackle nooks crannies edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This week may have been chock-a-block with Don't Worry Darling gossip, but there were other things going on in the world of entertainment. But don't worry, darling, we will chat about the gossip popping around that film too. Well, it is time to talk about the celebrity stories of the week, and I am so happy to be joined by Esther Umar Donahue, writer, podcast producer, <laughs> podcaster extraordinaire. Um, Esther, how, how did you feel when you realized it was going to be on you to bring us this debrief on the Don't Worry Darling saga? I mean, look, Louise, we've already established that we record this, our segment, completely in the nude, but we also should <laughs> reveal that we're in a stainless steel bunker, there are banks of computers, Yeah. there's ticker tape, there's documents in front of us, the don't worry darling intel is at capacity. We have a lot of information and I, it, it's, a, it's a big pressure and I probably will not rise to the occasion, but let's just talk about I it. I think between the two of us, we're going to be okay. Okay, okay. So, don't worry darling, 
is a film that premiered at the Venice Film Festival this week amidst much drama. Tell us about it. Well, don't worry, darling. It is, and I'll get the plot of the film first of all. So it's out in the 20th. Oh yeah, because actually, I don't think anybody knows what the film is about. We'll, we'll get. It's out in the twenty third of September. So if you actually want to go and watch it, this is what it's about. Don't worry, darling. Is a psychological thriller about a nineteen fifties housewife who discovers her idyllic life in a manufactured company town is far from perfect. Mm. But I think it's about the self. It's about layers. It's about uh, all sorts feminism. But what we want, we reduce this work of art down to <laughs> this. Electricity is rising by 26.7% October. All of that, put that out the window. We're going to reduce this to, did Harry spit in Chris Pines? <laughs> did Olivia treat Florence Pugh poorly? What is going on? Okay, so director Olivia Wilde split with her husband, Jason Sudeikis, ex Saturday Night Liver, creator of Ted Lasso during film, which took place during 2020. His star was on the rise. Everyone's loving him. Everyone's loving her. Uh, then... They split... Actually, I'm going to go back. Let me go back. Ted Lasso premiered in August 2020 and then Wilde and Sudeikis, Sudeikis announced in November 2020 that they'd broken up and actually stopped seeing each other earlier in the year. Then, on the 5th of January 2021, Wilde and Stiles were photographed, quote, holding hands at a friend's wedding, according to People magazine. So they are... They were a romantic couple. So... What happened? So, so what, what we want to know in the in the there was rumors then was Florence Pugh having uh, a relationship with Harry Styles during filming, and then Olivia came in and knocked her off her perch. Was P- Florence Pugh friends with Jason Sudeikis, and that's why she's kind of taking his side um, in the split. And so all these kind of rumors are going around. And, and it has to be said, Florence Pugh at the time was in a relationship with Zach Braff. Oh, that's correct. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of feel like the the Harry Florence romance rumours are just something that people have made up to make it seem more juicy. Yeah, so this is all allegedly. But anyway, so then there was a few things coming out. Shia LaBeouf was hired for the Harry Styles role and he was let go because, you know, he created atmosphere on, on set, according to Olivia Wilde. But then recently it came out that Shia had the receipts. He said that, in fact, no, putting this narrative out there is false, that I was troublesome. And there was a video then of Olivia Wilde talking about Miss Flo, Florence Pugh, and if we can get her back inside and, you know, trying to placate everybody, but kind of indicating that maybe she was the issue. Now, in fairness, it was a, it's a private conversation, so nobody expects that your private conversation, is, again, with another A-lister, is going to be leaked and put on... Um, put on yeah it was kind of like you know it wasn't kind exactly of Shia LaBeouf but you can understand because Olivia Wilde had given this interview saying that Shia LaBeouf had been you know a problem yeah but also then you say you might say that you know Olivia Wilde if you don't think your conversation is going to be leaked then you're maybe trying to placate your creative person over here and you're trying to placate your creative person over there so maybe Mm. maybe Florence P wasn't the issue but she was just saying that to him to try him bring him in so who knows anyway so it was all very you know it was getting kind of more and more unseemly anyway then we had the actual physical visual representation or uh, manifestation of this whole sorry debacle at the Venice Film Festival during the week and again are we just putting these this could be completely all completely just untrue and waffled but we, when you saw them line up it appeared that Styles didn't want to get photographed beside Wilde they were not making eye contact Pew was not getting photographed with any of them Chris Pine was taking her photo and doing a little off kind of red carpet photo shoot then when they sat down in to watch the film there was footage that did Harry Styles spit on um, Chris Pines which has been denied by both of them in fact Harry Styles referenced it as Madison Square 
uh, Garden gig last night. This is our 10th show at Madison Square Garden. It was wonderful, wonderful, wonderful to be back in New York. I just popped very quickly to Venice to spit on Chris Pine. So they're all like, we're trying to, you know, spin this and make this as funny as possible. It's just a lot going on. And then there's, you know, then Chris Pines has the, which no... Chris Pines singular, sorry. Oh, sorry. Chris Pines, sorry. <laughs> Chris Pines, yeah, but it's Chris Pines. Pine. <laughs> he, you know, was, they kind of memed him looking at him zoning out during, you know, Harry talking about it's a movie and you want to go see a movie. In I a mean, movie he was theater. talking absolute nonsense. He was, but look, they're all wrecked. They're all see, tired. The, the problem is this whole thing has been kind of elevated to a level that it wouldn't have been, in my opinion, because it's Harry Styles. And Harry Styles has millions of fans who yeah. are obsessive and mm-hmm. who analyze every single thing that has yeah, any every connection single frame. to him. Yeah. And they try and paint everyone around him kind of in a bad light, mm-hmm. to be honest. And Olivia Wilde has been the brunt of a lot of abuse as a result of this. Um, what I thought was the most telling thing was, I don't know if you saw this, but... Florence um, Pugh arrived in... It's Florence Pugh's. <laughs> Come on. She arrived at Venice and um, her stylist put up a photograph uh-huh. of her with Miss Flo as the caption. And they had Miss Flo in, uh, stitched onto their t-shirts yeah, as well. Yeah, ha- her hairstylist and makeup artist had Miss Flo stitched onto their t-shirt. And that did feel like a bit of a kind of dig. Uh-huh. Like, I think the thing that is the most believable about all of this is that there was some sort of tension or divide between Florence Pugh and Olivia Wilde. Because there is a little bit of supporting evidence because... Um, you know Olivia Wilde gave this interview where she talked about the sex scenes and Florence Pugh was like it's not all about the sex scenes so like there's been a little bit of tit for tat so you know that could be all there is and like you know sometimes people don't get on people don't get on and you know Florence probably just you know met her contractual obligations did the prescribed or set out amount bare of minimum, yeah. bare minimum amount of publicity she was meant to do in her contract and off she's gone back to Budapest to film Dune 2 but what I mean what I the joy I got out of this <laughs> over the last couple of weeks. It was rolling. It was just rolling. It has been so much fun Um, and I thank them for giving this to us. Thank you and I will, I pretty, yeah, we'll go watch the film now. Oh, I'll definitely, 100%. It's beautiful. I was always going to see the film to Mm -hmm. be honest Um, and I'm absolutely going to see it now. Mm -hmm. I'd say it'll do really well. Um, Okay, there were a couple of other bits at Venice that I thought were worth mentioning. There was an Irish film that did really well. Yeah, The Banshees of Inishirin. It's a new Martin McDonough project. It got a 13-minute standing ovation. We talked about this at a can. They love it. It is not. It's a What wild. is it? I wouldn't stand up for 13 minutes cheering my child. Like, what could what yeah. could be so good you'd be cheering for 13 minutes? Yeah. Maybe we should just turn the last 30 minutes of the podcast into just clapping. Imagine. <laughs> just clapping. Just clapping. She's ridiculous. So anyway, this Martin McDonough film uh, stars Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson and it got its debut at Venice and uh, yeah so almost got 15 minutes standing ovation which is nuts and the film was filmed in Ackle and on Inishmore one of the Aran Islands and um, yeah it's about the the plot of the film is that it's about two friends who are kind of uh, breaking up uh, Porrick Farrell is devastated when his buddy Colin Gleeson suddenly puts an end to their lifelong friendship with help from his sister and a troubled young islander Porrick says to repair the damaged relationship by any means necessary so that's the plot so that's interesting you don't yeah. often hear about male friendship no in and, that, and that, that's so yeah so McDonough said he was keen to work with them again since they yeah. all filmed in Bruges all those years ago and then there has been a lot of chat about this Brendan Fraser film uh, by Darren Aronofsky The Whale which I have some very strong thoughts and feelings about already I would imagine you do um mm. yeah yeah, so I didn't know anything. Brendan Fraser has had 
I mean, hasn't everybody, but you know, he's had a really tough time yeah. and again in his, in his personal life and he, he you know, he accused someone of a um, sexual abuse and it was uh, it was dismissed and wasn't taken seriously. And so he sort of had, hasn't been in, hasn't acted anything, hasn't mm. uh, performed in a long time. So this is his first kind of his, it's his return. Yeah, it's being and, billed as his big comeback. Yeah, yeah, and there's been videos of him, you know, he they got a six minute standing ovation, which is still an, very long only time to be six. clapping. Only six, half of what the Banshee had been sharing got, which is an Irish associated mm. film. Um, and he was crying and he was overwhelmed and they're all Yeah, I, I, like off. I will say, I thought, you know, I'm all for Brendan Fraser having a comeback and I thought that the footage of the standing ovation and of him responding to it was ac- was actually very moving. Because mm-hmm. I can only imagine, um, you know, if you feel like your career is potentially over and then you get to kind of go back and get back into it I can completely understand that that would be a huge thing um you know completely it's just my issue is with um the subject matter of this film because Brendan Fraser plays a man who I think is you know he's uh, meant to be about 600 pounds and he's wearing both a fat suit and CGI is used to make him look like a very large man and I just yeah (sighs) I mean, even if I didn't know anything else about the film, I would have a problem with that because I just think fat suits are inherently fat phobic. And if you want to make a film about someone, you know, of that size, then find someone of that size to be in your film, first of all. And secondly, the plot of this film is basically that this man is miserable. It's about this man's miserable life, Mm -hmm. his miserable existence. Yeah. Um, And it seems to have such an emphasis on weight that like, I, I just, I personally have already found the limited kind of reporting around this film and tweeting around this film really troubling and upsetting. Mm -hmm. Like I found Brendan Fraser's comments himself, you know, they're attempting to be really sensitive and say like, oh, it gave me, you know, really a new understanding into the strength of these people. And I'm like, fuck off. That is so patronizing. Like if anyone should be talking about the strength of these people, like why don't we talk to, to, these people, air quotes, Mm -hmm. why don't we talk to people, you know, who live in big bodies directly Mm -hmm. you know why are they only ever the subject of a film that's like from a sympathetic eye or like you know absolutely completely exploitative television programs you know where it's all about you know their kind of them being these kind of freak shows yeah um and it's just dehumanizing and i find you know it patronizing and i find it generally very upsetting and i know that people you know it sounds like people are going to go to this film and they're going to be very moved and they're going to be like oh fat people are people people too and all of us who actually are fat are gonna have to stand around and be like fuck's sake for months yeah sorry no 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 (laughs) those are my feelings and and i knew and so i'm not gonna i'm gonna jump in with my 16 cent i mean that's what the film is it just it doesn't seem like it's the 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 right way to go you just go hmm have we not not learned anything but interesting when you said like so i know you you talked about using the word fat and i think people don't even i I'm like oh what would louise louise has talked about this you can use but it doesn't feel um it just feels off saying using that as a descriptor. But yeah. when you said they're like someone living in a, in a bigger body, maybe is that or is that is that kind of what, when you hear that, what does that make you feel? That's like? fine for me. Um, yeah. I personally hate obese and obesity, which is what's being used constantly yeah. in the kind of stuff around this because I think it reduces someone to kind of yeah. like you know a physicality or or what people believe is a disease, and like you know issues around weight are just so much more complicated than they're uh-huh. ever given credit for in stuff like this, you know. Um, and I don't, I haven't seen it, obviously. And, you know, maybe I, I don't think I'm going to have my mind changed. I'm never going to see it, let's be honest. But like, you know, 
if you look at someone like him and I've seen it written about as though he has an addiction to food and that's Mm -hmm. kind of apparently the way it's portrayed you know there are people who genuinely have addictions to food and who have you know eating disorders around food but those are all rooted in other matters you know it's complicated like you're not just addicted to food because you love food Mm -hmm. you're addicted to food because you've got some other kind of trauma or some other kind of you know psychological challenge you know like any any genuine addiction you know it's all rooted in something else so for it all to be the the weight the weight the weight is just it's just not fair and then there's lots of people who live in bodies that are classified as obese you know me for example and my dad who is like went to the doctor and had his had his BMI and they told him he was obese. He was like, what? Because you would never look at him and think of that because first of all, BMI is bullshit. But anyway, like, you know, it's, it's, it's such a weird way to classify people. And there's an assumption that if you are in that category, that you can't live a healthy life or you can't live an active life. And like, you know, for most people, that's not the case. And the emphasis on weight detracts from an emphasis on health, which is actually what we should talk about mm. in general, a, a compl- exclusive of size. It should be what what kind of life are you living? Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, this person, the way it's depicted is that he doesn't really leave the house and he does clearly have an issue with food. And like, those are legit things. But it's just, for me, the legitimacy of that portrayal is detracted from by the fact that you've got someone in a fat suit with CGI. It's, it's a film being made by, a, you know, a director who is not fat. And it, I just don't, I can't take it even in the spirit that I'm sure it's intended mm-hmm. because we have just been the butt of the joke so many times. You know, it's not that long since it was Shallow Hell. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, that film did damage. Mm. Or Fat Monica and Friends, mm. you know? Mm. It, I'm just, I think uh, me, and I know I've seen lots of people who feel the same way as me, we're just not ready for people to be like, oh no, 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 we're doing this in the right way. Mm-hmm. It's sensitive. Like, you know, fuck off. Yeah. It's too soon. Okay, well, we talk about Courtney. Yeah, sorry, I really banged on about that. Many joke, and I was like, yeah, but I'm glad because I don't know. I, it's not my place to kind of say anything, so it's interesting when I. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. I don't even know if I articulated that well. And I'm sure there will be people who listen and he'll be like, yeah, but what about... And feel free to get in touch with me. Like, I have absolutely no problem responding to people's questions. And as I say, I haven't seen it. I won't see it because honestly, it would be too difficult for me um, because I am so damaged by nearly 40 years of living in a fat phobic society and that's the truth anyway Courtney Kardashian <laughs> is sustainable now and so is boohoo it's you just wonder what's happening in these meetings you just think like she's lo- uh, logging on to her online banking she's like how much money have I got I've got 65 million dollars I think I'll do another deal make yeah. a little bit more money <laughs> I think I need a few more in a quest I just seem to so if you haven't heard. So Courtney's worth about 65 million. Boohoo's worth about 3.5 billion. She's doing this new line with Boohoo and it's been kind of uh, called kind of, it's, sorry, she's doing this new line with Boohoo and it's sort of like being uh, pitched as it's sustainable. And you know when they do this, we're on a mission to learn about recycled polyester and all mm. this kind of stuff. And, you know, Courtney's going to put on a hard hat and go into the factories mm. and she's just going to feel the material between her fingers. And like, ah, sustainability. Yeah. But, you know, pe- people are calling them out because there's already too many clothes in the world. We have too many things. They're producing so many garments. A lot of it's going to landfill. Um, they're not paying their workers a fair wage. 
and they're trying to finesse things and pull the recycled polyester over our eyes and go, ah, but, you know, we're, yeah. we're trying to make it, we're trying to, you know, yeah, greenwashing. 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 Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think the problem is that Boohoo has such a terrible reputation. Um, and obviously, as we said, like, you know, there was that issue with they were paying apparently workers in Leicester, I think, around mm-hmm. £3.50 at one stage. And um, they have, they're making such an enormous profit and selling clothes so inexpensively that, you know, it just is toxic. And then Courtney, you know, is flying around the world on her private jet. And, you know, we all know about the excess of the lives of the Kardashians. Now, I think Courtney she claims is sort to of be the greener the sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was having bamboo straws before Kim was yeah. even... She was she was poo-pooing her sugar-free treats and whatnot. Well, and no, Courtney I, was there. I actually do remember an episode of the Kardashians where she said that they're the salad place that they always go to, she'd said, like, she wasn't going back until they stopped using plastic containers and they changed to cardboard. And I think one of the other girls was like, yeah, but it's really annoying. Um, so she definitely is more conscious, I think, than, yeah. than some people. But it just rubbed people up the wrong way. Yeah, because I think so. You can't do this thing alongside all the other damage that you're doing like it you know it just feels kind of you know well you know I mean incongruent maybe we're being that's the word Chris Pines Chris Pine <laughs> Chris Pines Chris Pines Florence Pugh's Florence Pugh um, you know people are saying maybe you could take some of that marketing money and uh, you know pay your pay the workers an even fairer fair wage, wage. Fair yeah. wage but look maybe we're just too cynical and hopefully that the, when she does go visit the factories and everything it'll you know she'll bring about some positive change well, but we don't I, know what I will say is I was on TikTok this morning because that's what I do and a vintage clothing company came up and they said that they were part of this line mm. the Courtney Boohoo thing and they were showing how things were selected and they basically had massive bags of clothes that they said were going to landfill mm-hmm and they were going through them and filtering out t-shirts and leather jackets. And then apparently Courtney had had approved every individual t-shirt for sale as part of the Boohoo thing. And then they were repairing them and washing them. And then they were packaging them in plastic Boohoo wrappers. And I was like, you know, if mm. that's what it is, mm-hmm. that is good. Mm-hmm. It is good, I suppose, to give people access to those clothes. They will all be sold. And that's better than them going to landfill. It just still feels... Oh, it's just hard to forgive the yeah. damage done, I think. Anyway, um, now, uh, very quickly, Esther, because I have banged on for too long. So, <laughs> so we've, we've talked for a lot. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio has broken up with yet another 25-year-old. He has broken up with another 25-year-old. That's his cut-off point. He's, and now, this is, a, this is terrible because I actually didn't write down her name. It's Camilla Moroni, yes. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the clock struck midnight uh, Leos, did you listen to? Should we promote another podcast? But Who Weekly? Uh, no, I haven't listened to it yet. Uh, Bobby Finger did a small one-act play about the moment that Leonardo. Oh, I did hear yeah. that. Yeah, and you should absolutely promote other podcasts. Who Weekly is brilliant. Yeah. So yeah, so the clock struck midnight, and um, Leo turned back into a pumpkin, or Camilla turned back into a pumpkin, and he was like, "Be off with you!" But so they broke up, and that's kind of the joke that all his girlfriends they you know reach twenty-five, and Leo's like, "Unfortunately, now you'll have to," and he kind of just shifts her pushes her off the yacht in Capri yeah um, and so yeah so there was a lot that, that was another gift there was like lots of very there were funny jokes on Twitter about yeah. you know with when his girlfriend's frontal lobes kind of mesh together then he's like oh, I have no time for you anymore so yeah. um, and then then one of his first girlfriends uh, wrote a piece in People I think um, about how you know just let Leo out it he's a nice guy and we had a great time together but I think she's trying to promote her 
dog food <laughs> line or something like that. So I mean, why not? It was not? so weird. I was because she was like, "It's ageist," and I was like, "Babe, it's not ageist to point out that this middle-aged man is continually dates we're noticing the pattern." Women in their early twenties, like, there's a difference between when you dated him when he was also in you his twenties. Like, mm-hmm. it's a different thing. Esther O'More Donahue, thank you so much. Where can people find you? Esther Two Names on Instagram and EstherOMD.com for all the other bits. There you go. A legend, a queen. <laughs> Thank you. Just about time for me to go, but before I do, I do have a little recommendation for you. Um, I didn't consume a lot this week, to be honest, but what I did watch was the first two episodes of The Real Girlfriends of Paris. No, sorry, The Real Girlfriends Real Girlfriends in Paris. There's no the, there's no of. This is the house, my brain has been housewives vied. Real Girlfriends in Paris. It's a new reality show on Bravo, which obviously is the network that brings us The Real Housewives, and it's available on Hey You, uh, the streaming platform for reality TV, if you're into it um I wasn't sure if I was even gonna watch it I thought the trailer looked a bit mm, crap and um I didn't think it would have enough like juice for me but I actually watched it yesterday and I felt it was kind of like soothing or something it's nice to be in Paris it's nice to see Paris and the first two episodes are all fairly nicey nicey you can see that there might be some conflict down the line but actually it was kind of wholesome and it was nice to see women kind of supporting each other and it's completely harmless in in a good way and it's an easy watch if you've had a hard day or you've had a hard meeting or you've had a hard chat or you've just been through something that's making you feel like you can't face anything tough this is the perfect thing to watch real girlfriends in Paris and as I said it's on hey you now though it is just about time for me to go thank you so much for listening I really appreciate it thanks to all my contributors as well and to ACAST for all their support I will be back with you next week in the meantime I hope you are okay I hope you managed to have a great week but if not that's okay too I'll be back here next Friday with all the usual stuff to catch up Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.